Building the right way and on the right foundation, next. Look at your life as a part of the church, you being the church individually. There is no other foundation in your life other than Jesus Christ. It's not the person that shared the gospel with you. It's not the church that you walked into and got saved in. It's not the, the evangelist that you heard on the radio or that great teaching on television. You're only the only foundation. Only Jesus saved you. That's the only foundation for your life. He's promised to never leave you or forsake you. This is amazing grace. When you're building a home, you know that it's important to build on a good, solid foundation. But it's also important how you build on that foundation. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll liken that to our spiritual lives. The Christian is to build their life on the foundation of Christ. Pastor Ed Taylor says there's a right and wrong way to build. As we'll see, the building project should include service, and that service must be done with the right motivation. When all is said and done, we'll give an account for our lives and how we build. So let's join Pastor Ed in 1 Corinthians 3. So the church in Corinth was built on the true foundation, Jesus Christ. That's what Paul did when he came into the city. He wasn't preaching his own wisdom. He wasn't trying to flatter them with words. Remember, the Greeks were very into human wisdom. They were very into dialogue and debate, and they were used to that. What they weren't used to was someone coming in and talking about a savior that died, a savior that died a crucifixion death, a savior that came and instead of coming as king of the world, he came as that humble king and he sacrificed his own life. Remember Jesus, he was preached to the church or to the city of Corinth. Paul said, I just preached Jesus and him crucified. And through that message, people got saved. And the result was a local church, the only church in Corinth, very unlike what we're used to, where there are churches everywhere and all sorts of local bodies. If you were to ask, hey, I want to go to church in Corinth, I want to gather with the believers, there was only one, this local body here in the first century, not too many years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. And Paul was very clear to remind them in verse 11, remember, of chapter 3, there is no other foundation can anyone lay that which is already laid. And that is Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ. And that was the foundation. But you know what happened is that over time, that foundation of Jesus faded into the background and the believers in Corinth started to attach themselves more to the servants of God than to God himself. They began to identify themselves by various teachers, by baptism, you know, who baptized them, who taught them. And, and their immaturity was evident as they began to identify, well, we're of Paul and we're of Apollos. And, and lest you think it can't happen to you, it certainly can happen to you and I. Although God uses men, teachers in our lives, even women that have poured into our lives, somebody that we respect as a believer, someone that's discipled us, 
If you're not careful, you may look to the person more than you look to the Lord. And that was what happening. That, that's exactly what we're dealing with here in the church in Corinth. It was immaturity that caused divisions and contentions and all sorts of other things because they chose to build on the foundation of Jesus with materials that God never ordained and never allowed. And they began to identify themselves more with those that were serving and these divisions messed things up. So verse 12 now, notice he says, no other foundation... Can anyone lay? Well, that's verse 11. Go back to verse 10. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation and another builds on it. Let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation, and then he begins to lay out a couple options, which we'll look at in a moment. So there's only one foundation to the church to any church. It's not some of the things that you might have been raised with. The foundation of the church is not tradition. There wasn't any tradition when the church in Corinth, when all these churches were built, there was no tradition, human or religious. And so it's not human tradition, it's not even church tradition. And for some of you who were raised in a religious system where that was constantly the answer. It's church tradition. This is what the fathers have taught us. This is what the priests have said. And, and it was just drilled into you. church. And it, so it's hard for you, perhaps, to adjust to a fellowship family that says, just read the Bible. Just read the Bible. Allow the Bible to speak to you. Let the Holy Spirit reveal to you the truth. And watch how you are led in the truth by the Spirit. So not philosophies of men, you know, lest we think that any church is built upon the founder or the man that God chose to use in any particular movement or revival. Over time, you'll find that if we're not under sound teaching that's always pointing us to Jesus, we will naturally gravitate to people. Even the longer you may find yourself fellowshipping here at Calvary, you may begin to gravitate towards something that Ed said. And I'll tell you, I have nothing good to say unless it's from the Word. Whatever God's truth says, and anything that I say, you can test it. You can bring the test of the Word. And, and I don't desire to, to have you follow me more than you follow Jesus. And prayerfully, my life can be such an example where there are attributes in my life that are reflective of a believer that seeks after Jesus with all their heart, but never do we want... You know, whenever we follow man, then competition starts. And you compare this man with that man and this church with that church, and, and it's all a waste of energy because there's people lost and dying. They need to hear the gospel. And we need to follow Jesus because Jesus is always in the middle of lost people sharing his love and his grace encouraging us to share. And there is no other foundation. The foundation of our fellowship isn't rooted in a particular time in history. Well, we look at our spiritual birthday as a church, December 26, 1999, but that really isn't the beginning of our church. The beginning of our church was with the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he's the one that we look to. And we get to be a part of a small little work of God on the planet over the centuries. But he's still the pastor. The foundation of his church, of this church, is Jesus himself. And if you ever hear anything differently, reject it. 
The foundation of the church has been and always will be Jesus. That's the gospel message, the good news that was once and for all delivered to the saints. If you begin to follow any other man, just consider this. Did they die for you? And if they did, you know, because some people might be listening in. Oh, yeah, you know, our leader, he died for us. Okay, did he rise again? Because Jesus did. And he's only worthy, God in human flesh, of our allegiance and of our love. And as we align ourselves with him and other like-minded people that are aligned with him, we're in unity. That blessed unity of the spirit of God that the Bible talks to us and reminds us to maintain, to strive to maintain that unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Churches, listen, churches that are built, gatherings like ours, ours included, churches that are built on any other foundation will crumble. It's only a matter of time. They will crumble. They will lose their focus on Jesus and they'll disappear or their effectiveness will will just be gone because there's no other foundation. There's no other foundation for your life. Look at your life as a part of the church, you being the church individually. There is no other foundation in your life other than Jesus Christ. It's not the person that shared the gospel with you. It's not the church that you walked into and got saved in. It's not the, the evangelist that you heard on the radio or that great teaching on television. You're only the only foundation. Only Jesus saved you. That's the only foundation for your life. He's promised to never leave you or forsake you. And so with that foundation now, Paul wants to step even further and say, this is how you build on it. And you have two options. He uses two illustrations. He says there in verse 12, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, that's the first set of example. The first, the first element, the first elements that you have the choice of building. You can build on this foundation with gold, silver, or precious stones. Or the other option is with wood, hay, or straw. So there are your options. And they're in group, they're two groups of three. Something very valuable, very precious, something very worthless and temporary. And then he says in verse 13, depending on how you build, each one's work will become manifest for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. And so what a privilege to be used of God in building his kingdom. That's what he's chosen to do, to use you. Doesn't it blow your mind? God has chosen the God of all the universe, the creator of all the universe, the one that sustains every molecule that exists has chosen to use you to expand his kingdom, us, of all of the options before Almighty God, his choice is to use humans to reach humans. Because don't you feel like sometimes that, God, why don't you just send angels with big loudspeakers in the sky to preach your gospel perfectly? Then everybody would believe it. Just they'd get it right from you. And yet Jesus did better. God did better than that. He sent Jesus Christ, God in human flesh, to the earth. And what does the Bible say? He came to his own and his own received him not. So the ministry has been and continues to be people reaching people, you and I. And if it doesn't blow your mind that God would use you, just pray about it tonight. Your mind will get blown. Maybe even while you dream, like God just gives you a dream and says, your mind wasn't blown in church today. I'm going to blow it right now, two o'clock in the morning, that I'm using you. 
Some of you don't even believe it. I've repeated it three times. You still don't believe it, that God wants to use you, that God has chosen to use you, believer, to reach your mom and your uncle and your friend. I know sometimes you feel like, well, if God could just send somebody else, he may or may not, but he sent you and he wants to use you. If I could just get that great, perfect book, he may or may not use that book, but he'll use you. You know, if that CD, and sometimes you'll leave a Bible study, right? Oh, that's going to be good for Uncle Charlie. It might be good for Uncle Charlie, but you're good for Uncle Charlie because God's chosen to use you. He'll use a lot of different tools. Be faithful to obey that. God puts on your heart to send a CD or, or one of the topical studies we've done or, or just give out a card at King Supers. Whatever the Lord lays on your heart, be obedient to that. But as you're being obedient, don't overlook the reality that even when you hand a church card to the, to the person there that's, that's ringing up your groceries, that before they ever read anything on the card, you're there right in front of them. And the Holy Spirit's already working on you and to take that first step. And you might even purposely just forget the milk and then come back again and go, oh, I forgot the milk. Oh, I forgot a bread. Oh, I forgot. Well, dude, why don't you just fill up your cart? You keep forgetting. No, because you know what? I just, God loves you, okay? <laughs> I just want you to know that. I want you to come to church or whatever it might be. And so notice this, notice this opportunity to build. God is cooperating with us. How careful we need to be on building on his foundation. We either build with expensive, sturdy, long-lasting, precious things or stuff that isn't going to stand the test of time. Stuff that's not going to stand the, the test of being fired up and passing through the fires of, of judgment. Things that are just like wood, hay and stuff, but just things that are not very valuable, not very useful. And I think the first context here, the bigger picture, remember, Paul is writing to the church. And so as a church, church leaders, we can choose to build on a foundation. God says he brings a family out. He brings a gathering of people together and a church begins to form as they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in prayer, in the breaking of bread. God raises up a new fellowship or sends someone to go plant a new fellowship. The foundation's been laid. It's laid on Jesus. But then how will the church leaders choose to build on that foundation? Once it's evident that, yes, God wants a new work to happen there. Yes, God wants to see a new church birth, a local congregation. Okay, so now how does he want to build on that? And in the leadership, we can make all sorts of choices. There's a big popular choice these days in the church planting realm that has become very, very popular. And that is where there's a lot of money raised and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars are spent on what are called demographic studies. A demographic study is a study based on the population of the area. So they take a place like Aurora and begin to maybe segregate it by zip code. And then each zip code has a particular population in it. And each zip code has an average income in it and an average size house in it. And they start to look at the demographics and then begin to think, you know, I think this zip code would be the best place to plant a church, this zip code. Rarely in those kind of studies... Do demographic studies lead someone to plant a church in a poor zip code, in a needy zip code, among those that wouldn't perhaps be able to support a church financially? Because a lot of times those that are doing demographic studies are already on the hook to allow this little church to provide for their family. That, that's not what we were taught at Calvary. 
And maybe you're praying about planning a church and, and what should I do, Ed? Well, the first thing you do is pray where God would send you. Then when you got that clear, go to that place and get a job. That would be the first step. So that your needs of your family could be met first without being a burden to any group of people that God's gathering around you. And then as you're providing for the needs of your family, you're also not stressed out when you find that, hey, man, what God's called me to, I didn't study the demographics, but this is a struggling neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, it's a struggling neighborhood. That's the best, isn't that the best place to bring the gospel? <laughs> the people that are struggling, the people that are wrestling with things. And how you make those decisions, well, you know, the demographics say that I, I don't need to get a job in this zip code. Yeah, but what does the Lord say? What has God said? How do you want to build? Do you want to build on studies and go door to door? Hey, what do you think a church should be? And so you start taking a survey. Well, I want this in the church. I want this. And then you start to build the church around what unbelievers and, and other people, oh, I want the church to be like this. And like, what does God want? And just be the church that God desires and you begin to build on the right foundation. Because the problem is people's opinions change. Demographics change. I mean, a whole company can shut down and one zip code that was doing really well is now doing horrible. Now what's your demographics say? I know what my demographic study says. Seek the Lord. It's that simple. God will provide. And as you can tell, I'm not real big on demographic studies. Because you know what? I believe that you can go anywhere with the gospel. And it doesn't matter what zip code. It doesn't matter if a person has a million dollars in the bank or is in debt a million dollars. It doesn't really matter. You go where God wants you and a church will form. People will come when they're loved and cared for and when people, people flock to Jesus. And you notice he didn't really do anything except love and care and serve people. That's all he did. And he shared the truth with people. And the Bible says that the common people heard him gladly. The religious people hated his guts. They killed him. But the common people... The people caught up in religion, the people caught up in tradition, the people that were being mistreated by those that were supposed to take them to the very throne room of grace, they hated him. You know, another way that I see in churches at large have tried to build the church is through major, huge, sensational events. Whether it's within the sanctuary or outside, I'm not talking about outreaches, I'm talking about just sensational events, you know, big healing crusades. If you come out, we've rented this, we've rented this big arena and we're going to lengthen legs, you know, and we're going to just make sure that everybody is, is you just come out and, and we will heal you. People believe that. I believe God heals. <laughs> I've seen God heal. I've watched him heal. When I pray for healing, I believe that God can heal. But my view of those big sensational crusades is they're just attention getters because if they really, really, truly had the gift of healing, then they would go down to Denver Children's Hospital and they would begin to pray over the kids that are in those beds. It's sensationalism, it's emotionalism, and it's a fleecing of the flock. And I hope you guys don't get caught up in it. To say that they can heal at whim but they really don't. Sensationalism just is human in nature. It's appealing to the flesh. All this whole doctrine of health and wealth and the word faith movement, it's all appealing to greed. It goes right to the heart of greed. A doctrine that says, hey, if you plant the seed because you have a need, God is going to give you a thousandfold return on your investment. 
And why would we want a thousandfold return except that we're not content with what the Lord has us? And it just touches that area of greed and it's a fleshly motivation. And you got to be careful because we can get in the flesh <laughs> and we could be motivated by the flesh. And we can build on the foundation of Jesus in worthless things as a church. The Lord's always encouraging me as a pastor leader and the leadership that God has surrounded me with. We just need to seek the Lord. I know not everybody's comfortable with that. I know that when ministry's needs are happening and things have to happen, we've been conditioned to want things to happen now. And when an answer comes back, no, let's just pray about it. What? Are you kidding me? How can you... We we got to pray about it? Yeah, yeah, we're going to pray about it. We're just going to seek the Lord to see if, if it's from him. We're just going to seek the Lord to just see if it's for us. We're just going to seek the Lord to see if he starts to provide here, or open a door here, or, or even perhaps close a door. Because we don't want to build with wood, hay. And I could go on and on with worldly methods that church leaders fall into. But I think the few that we look at are these crazy gimmicks and the problem with crazy gimmicks is that you always got to come up with a new one. It's always an opportunity, another gimmick, another gimmick, another gimmick, another gimmick. It's 40 days of this, and then you need 50 days of this, and then you got to have 60 days of that. And then maybe you go back to 40, and it just burns people out. And you could just spend that time seeking the Lord and worshiping Him and, and allowing Him to do what He wants to do. So we build the church with the right ingredients, and you build on your life. Pastor Ed Taylor encouraging us to build on the right foundation the right way. And this is abounding grace. Pastor Ed, as you know, some churches have spent thousands of dollars on worldly wisdom in an attempt to build the church. But God has offered his wisdom at no charge, hasn't he? And we just need to ask for it, right? You know, Larry, we do need to ask. Uh, Jesus taught us that we don't have because we don't ask. And then his half-brother James teaches us that the Holy Spirit inspiring uh, James to write that we are to ask God if we lack wisdom, and he will give to us liberally without reproach. And we want to ask God for wisdom. You know, our tendency uh, when we need something is to ask someone. That's our tendency. I, I, I do the same thing. Uh, I want to hear feedback. I want someone's opinion on something, people that I trust even. Um, I might want to go to a trusted book that I read or something that, that is popular in the day. I think we all are tempted that way. But the reality is that when it comes to wisdom, God is filled with wisdom. He is wisdom for life. I like how the New Living Translation translates James chapter 1, verse 5. If you need wisdom... If you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him, and he will gladly tell you. He will not resent your asking. And so let me just say, when it comes to the church, Jesus said he would build his church, and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And so we want to be a part of the church that Jesus is building. I think men can build organizations, and they can build structures, and they can build direction, and and in some ways, structure organization is needed. Even Jesus had organization within his ministry. But when it comes to building the church, how careful we need to be to walk in the wisdom of God. Sometimes that wisdom comes from other people, but it always comes from his word. And he's the one that leads us and guide us. So ask. Believe me, 
If you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him and he'll gladly tell you. Thanks, Pastor Ed, for those encouraging words to go to the Lord for wisdom. If you'd like to hear this message again, go online at calvaryco.church. And another way to listen to Ed's teachings is through the Calvary Aurora and Grace FM Colorado apps. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. It's free, too. We've picked out a wonderful book by A.W. Tozer this month that we think you'll benefit from. It's The Pursuit of God. God wants to have an intimate relationship with us, and it's something every believer can experience, not just a select few. In this book, Tozer uses examples from Scripture and from the lives of Christians who have lived with a thirst for God to show us the path to a closer walk with the Lord. When you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, ask for a copy of The Pursuit of God. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE or make your request and donation online at calvaryco.church. That number again is 877-30-GRACE. Glad you've taken time out to study the Word with us. And be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor tomorrow for Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.